Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Bostecu. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hello, let's get the boring shit out of the way first. If you've got any spare money and you like this podcast, please go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod, where in exchange for even two beans a month, I give out hoovering related prizes. Thank you, I love you, thank you, thank you. This week's guest was a real coup. I'm talking to an actual dietitian, a real life eating expert called Sophie Medlin. I'm pretty relentless with my questions and she smashes nearly as many myths as I do almonds. There are two varieties in our classroom picnic. Ever wanted to know about the importance of breakfast? Supplements? Whether everyone's a little bit disordered? Especially dietitians? Yes, I go there. And we get into a very sort of cuddly version of a tussle over body size. But as I think you'll be able to tell, I found every second of this one so riveting. I hope you do. I've brought some a picnic, as have you. Mm, well, I and sort of have. I've bought a picnic from Marks and Spencers, which is slightly cheating. I don't think that's cheating at all. Immediately want to eat a light salted almond. <laughs> Who does is that? that? From M and S. No, they're from this amazing shop around the corner from me. Oh, really? I love shopping in those little shops that are full of exciting things that you can't buy in Tesco's. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like Bath oh, no. and all those exciting yeah. snacks that you can't get in other places. I'm obsessed with. I live in South East London. I'm obsessed with the Turkish food centre. Exactly those kinds mm-hmm. of places. Yeah. That's my jam. Yeah, like independent, ethnically interesting supermarket. Absolutely. And often I get asked, can we help you? And I'm like, no, I'm just looking at everything. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm like, I don't know, all the cliches about women love shopping. I couldn't care less about shopping for clothes, but I would happily stand in a food shop. Oh, yeah. 
just ogling things. Yeah. French supermarkets, best place in the world. Oh, <laughs> hypermarché. Oh, yes. Yes. supermarket. Because they've got almost as much stationery as food, <laughs> and that's probably the only other thing I enjoy shopping Absolutely. for. Absolutely. Yes. Get in. Um, so, um, Sophie Medlin. Correct. Did I say it right? You did, yeah. Woohoo! I feel very grateful to have you on. You're probably the most sensible person I've spoken to so far. It's a facade, and I'm afraid you're going to be horribly disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> um, explain for us uh, where we are, who you are, and what you do, and I'll start dishing up some grub. Perfect. So I am a dietitian by background. So I've been a dietitian. I worked in the NHS for a long time um, before I moved to academia. So we are at King's College London, Woo-hoo! which is where I am a lecturer and a researcher. So I do this, and I also have a private practice where I look after patients with lots of interesting conditions and all sorts of things. And I'm also lucky to do lots of interesting media work like this and lots yeah. of other things. So well, that's when we met on Woman's Hour. I love Woman's Hour. I love Woman's Hour. Mm. That's, we were talking about hanger. Um, I'll come on to that. Dietitian. Yep. It's fascinating. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to talk through this just in case there's anything you don't like. But basically I've made a hopefully creamy but vegan potato salad. Looks delish. All this is like showcasing... It's got gherkins in it. Yeah. Mm. Do you like gherkins? Yeah, I like gherkins. Okay, good. There's gherkins, capers, and lots of herbs, and creamy stuff. (laughs) Vegan mayonnaise. (laughs) Um, And then that is roasted carrots with cumin, orange, and roasted almonds. Perfect. Fits in with my ginger theme. Yes. And this is just a green salad. Do you like tomatoes? I do. Okay, I'm going to just, just dish you a little bit of everything up, shall I? I'm very happy about that. Great. What orange things have you brought? So I've got lots of red hair, and it's kind of my um, trademark. <laughs> and uh, my USP, if you will. And I realised recently that I eat a vast amount of ginger food. <laughs> <laughs> Ginger-coloured food, orange food, uh, which possibly feeds how red my hair is. Yeah. I think. <gasps> Do you think, like, flamingos? Well, maybe, maybe. Because they're pink, aren't they? Because, because of the, the light. Shrimps. Yeah, the shrimps. There's some shrimps in what's the, happening. What they're eating off the bottom of their area. Oh, is it? I thought it was shrimps, but is it, like, plankton? I thought it was Algae. something. I might be wrong. It might well be shrimp. Mm-hmm. There's certainly something dyeing their feathers yes. in their diet. Yes. Have oh, I sorry. achieved... Is this a good meal? It's a pretty good meal, yeah. I think we're maybe lacking some... Protein, but what about okay. the nuts? Oh yeah, we have got almonds, and, and almonds I bought and a half a pot of hummus. hummus. Yeah, you're doing okay. You're doing okay for a vegan. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I, do you know what? I honestly was like, my boyfriend was really laughing because I was like, I really want to show kids that it's possible to have like enough protein if you eat a plant-based diet. I'm pretty sure that just a handful of almonds is not really going to cut it, so I'm going to take this hummus. And he was like, what are you going to carry it in? And I was like, really small Tupperware so that I can pretend to Sophie I have healthy small portions. <laughs> no, don't ever okay. do that. I okay, eat everything. Good. good. And... I've really realised recently, you and I were just talking about exercise, and yes. I'm doing an absolute time of exercise at the moment, but I'm also eating so much food that yeah. I'm not really losing any weight. Really. Oh, no, me neither. I'm positively gaining weight, exactly. I think. It's stress but, eating. Yeah. But it's... Um, right, yeah, stress eating. But also, I think it's muscle gain, isn't it, if you're training really hard? That's very true. And then you're just hungrier. Yeah. yeah. And, and also, you just have to accept the way that your body what you want at that time I think yeah yeah I'm, so I'm interested in that I think even from a sciencey point of view mm. that's um, also I'm going to let you help yourself to hummus and right. just leave the spoon on there because I'm going to go too heavy too heavy with the hummus too heavy with the old hummus <laughs> nice. give you a clean knife and fork that's great 
So it's a bit of fun, isn't it? A bit of fun. <laughs> Sprinkle some of your salty almonds on my dish. It feels quite summery as well, because mm-hmm. it's blooming lovely outside. Mm-hmm. Is there literally no food you don't like? Mm. I'd really like to like offal. <laughs> but I can't. Because it's so rich in iron and well, yeah, so full of nutrients. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I can't, I can't. And I've tried, but I can't. I'll put it this way, there's nothing that I wouldn't eat in front of the Queen. Like if the Queen served me something, I would right. be able to eat everything. But there are things right. that I don't choose to eat. What about Awful. you? Could you eat liver in front of the Queen? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, if it had been cooked... Mm. If it, I mean, in front of the Queen, it's likely to be like beautifully cooked. Yeah. I've never been that into it, but also I made that rich noise. I've also never been that repulsed by it. It's just a <laughs> texture thing, I think. I can't bear that flavour, that like only only liver flavour. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, but massive hypocrite, I did I do love pate. Mm. Pate on toast before I went planty. <laughs> and it's still probably I'm sure I'll go to somewhere in France where there's something that they do amazingly and I'll definitely try it. Mm. Yum. But I think maybe it's more about the stuff that's in there, like orange or mushrooms or whatever. Yeah. No, I can't, I can't do it. Mm. I would for the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> or any other person that I respect. Meghan and Harry. I don't think they'd make me. I just no. feel like they'd be quite relaxed about it. I do. I've got a feeling that Meghan and Harry would be like, don't eat something you find repulsive on our bar. <laughs> yeah. That's their generation yeah. of royal. I like that. That's where they're pretty snazzy. Mm-hmm. This is delicious. Is it good? Mm-hmm. I love the caraway seeds on the carrots. Oh, good. Yeah. That's um, Hugh Fernie, what's it called? Mm. It's this amazing book that I use more than any other book called Three Good Things. Oh, right. And it's just loads and loads of simple combinations of three things, but they're all things where the flavours are. Mm. Nice. I use this company called Oddbox. Mm. And they're only in South London at the moment. They're just moving into West London. Oh, nice. And they send you wonky vegetables? Mm-hmm. Oh. The supermarkets have rejected so in this, with tomatoes, the salad, all that they've ordered too much of, they've grown too much of, mm. um, the, these little strange raclette potatoes and the carrots and the orange, mm-hmm. all from my last box of that. Nice. It's all right, isn't it? I like that. Also, often they don't even look that wonky, they'll just be a bit scuffed or something. Yeah. And sometimes they're just massive, mm. like a massive aubergine or cauliflower. <laughs> what could you want? Mm. That's why I love shopping in those little independent shops because, like, I had some sweet potato last night, and the colour mm. of it compared to like regular supermarket sweet potatoes is amazing. It's just weird, isn't it? Mm. Oh, I'm glad this is yummy. I really wanted to impress you. Well, you've successfully <laughs> impressed me. Um, how did you end up being a dietitian? Do you know, I was so lucky because when I was 15, I decided I wanted to be a dietitian, and then that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> Really? Yeah, yeah, there is a good story behind that. Actually, it's mm. a bit of a long one. Great but seeing as you're eating, I'll tell mm. you. So I was um, not doing very well in school, and I was just kind of messing around and not doing my work and having a nice time and what have you. Renegade. Where did you grow up? Uh, in Devon. Okay, I grew up in Dorset. Mm. Country girls mm-hmm. the best. And um, I was predicted D's and E's in my GCSEs, and I thought my dad won't be very happy about that. So I worked really hard and redid all my coursework and uh, revised my exams, and um, pulled it out of the bag. Wow! And I can remember being there on my GCSE envelope opening day, results opening day, yeah. and I was crying and I had my envelopes in my hand and uh, I just couldn't open them. I was so scared. Oh! And um, my French teacher, who predicted me an E, came up to me and said, "Why are you crying?" And I said, "Because I'm scared." 
And she said she got a B in French, you idiot. Open your mouth. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I was super happy. And so then at that point, I was like, right, I could actually do something scientific. Clearly, I'm good mm. at sciences. And I'd done catering at GCSE and like really like the nutrition stuff that we did in oh, there. Oh, wow. Oh, God, I didn't yeah. know that was an option. Well, catering was then. I don't know that it is now. Yeah. Um, but we did things like um, designing a gluten-free diet and that sort of thing. And my catering wow. teacher had known a dietitian and said, you know, maybe you'd be good at this. And it was just opportunistic, really, really lucky. Just actually, to be honest, do you know, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, you know, when you asked why did you end up in your career, where essentially the answer was, I got motivated to work really hard at Sunday School and then was given some really good careers. I know. I'm so lucky. That's amazing. So lucky. And then, yeah, went down that route and I love it. It's a fantastic career. For anyone who's looking for a career, being a dietitian is a fantastic career. I'm very lucky. I find it fascinating. So outside of academia, what sort of roles and ways in which, like, do you work? Do dietitians work? Do you work with athletes? And hmm. do you work with, have you ever guided someone through a really extreme body change, like um, like an athlete or perhaps like um, someone who was dangerously under or overweight and or, so would you work, work with people with disorders also, or an actor that had to get really massive or tiny for a role? Big question. So I've got two great stories for you so one of the areas I really like working in is with boxers who have to fight to weight category so any weight category fighters wicked so that's kind of how I got into boxing myself really really enjoying beating men up in the evenings get in yes oh Um, everything I find out about you I love you more yes yes delicious yeah so I was looking after this boxer who he's six foot and he fights Mm. at a very light weight for his frame and that gives him lots of advantages in that his reach is very long because he's so right. tall. Um, and also he has very light on his feet and all these kinds of things. But it's very hard for him to stay in that zone in terms yeah. of his body shape. So, so he has to eat like very little of very specific things. Kind well, of. But also he needs to have loads of energy to train as hard as they do and loads of uh, power and all these kinds of things. So juggling his body composition on the lead up to a fight, then at weigh-in, and then when he's weighed in and he's as dry as he possibly can be in terms yeah. of water and salt and everything else, then we refuel all his muscles just before right. the fight's getting back there. And I love that kind of really scientific, <gasps> let's play around with your body stores and how your body stores nutrients and where and all that kind of stuff. That's amazing to me. I love it. I find that so fascinating. Mm. And I'd lo- I think I'd, I don't know if I'd like it day in, day out, but one day I would like someone to just tell me what to do exactly just watch it more like just see how amazing the body is like that yeah. that you could go I'm going to do this if you had a goal in mind for mm. example the desire to win in your chosen to athletic not get sport face, yes nothing yeah, yeah, more yeah, motivating yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also I think I don't know if you've got your dream part in a film that yeah. required you to be yeah and Hathaway's getting shredded for something at the moment is she yeah. awesome I don't know what but she just put something brilliant on Instagram. Mm. But something like that, I'd be like, one thing I would love is someone to say, you need to look, you need to get Emily Blunt arms. Yeah, and we're going to send you a personal trainer yeah. and a chef. Yeah. Thumbs up, you can do it yeah. then. If that's your actual, if it's your actual job to look a certain way or yeah. to train to be a certain weight or whatever. Yeah. Or like, if you think about models, it's their job to look the way they do. Well, that's... It's not my yeah, job yeah, to look yeah. like that. I can't look like that because no, I sit I my bum all day at a desk. But I also would never want to look like that. And also, I kind of want a world where... Not the not majority the of models don't need to look like that. I mean, there are other models, but they're seen as sort of an alternative to a standard yeah. thing, which is so emaciated. Mm. Would you ever, like, on a moral standard, go like, oh, no, I'm not going to help you become 
dangerously thin so that you could get that catwalk job? It depends on the person that I'm working mm-hmm. with. So the other story I was going to tell you is that I worked with an actor who is playing Ike Turner in the Tina Turner stage show. Oh, wow. And he wanted to lose weight because Ike Turner was a very kind of emaciated person, so wow. he wanted to look very, very thin. Yeah. You know, he's not doing that because he is desperately trying to get into something yeah. or he's desperately trying to uh, well, he gain himself. something or because he hates himself <laughs> or he's yeah. been told he's not yeah. good enough or any mm-hmm. of those things. So... He's of very sound mind yeah, doing yeah. it for a really positive mm-hmm. reason because the method actor really wants to really get into role. Mm-hmm. If a girl came to me and said, I really want to be a model, but I'm too overweight, I would yeah. probably steer her in a different direction. Yes. And I would probably, have, well, before she came to my clinic, I would have a chat with her on the phone and say, I'm not the right person to have you. You're a wizard. Are there people so loaded that they have their own dietitian? Yeah. Oh my God. My, um... I ask this because, do you know what? Apparently Nicole Scherzinger has got someone whose sole job, full-time job, is to carry her hair. Sorry, her wigs? or no, her, her hair. Walk around behind her and hold up That's her ridiculous. heavy, heavy strands of hair. <laughs> I need that. You don't. That's what hair bands are for, Nicole. <laughs> that woman could be reading That's a book. ridiculous. Yeah, last year I saw an advert for um, a dietitian uh, part-time in London, part-time on their yacht in the Caribbean. Oh. One guy wanted to lose weight and manage his cardiovascular disease. And Oh, he had a disease. Yeah. That kind of justifies it a bit more. And I was like, um, I am quite tempted to jack it all in and go and live on a boat for mm. six months of the year and just follow this guy around and cook mm. nice food. And I probably would, He probably had a chef, probably wouldn't even have to cook. Just have a little chat with him and tell yeah, him. What, what, what if? Can you imagine it? If, if someone's kind of, I don't know. This is making a lot of assumptions. But if someone's done well enough to have a yacht, <laughs> they spend half the year on. I would not want to be the person whose job it would have to be to say, "Oh no, 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 no seconds for you, Pierre." <laughs> I like how he's French. Yeah, I've made him French just to sort of make him a little bit more likable <laughs> or less likable, depending yeah. on your standpoint. I could have called him Pippin. <laughs> <laughs> Barnabas. Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to sink your yacht. Oh, that's true. And the sound of my phone falling on the floor behind me. Being on, trapped on a yacht with somebody with Pippin Barnabas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds pretty hellish if he's not a fun character. Yeah, totally. But then if he has a chef and all the shopping's done and you make sure that this food is delicious, oh, it's still being healthy. I mean, I'd be taking this job for two months or something <laughs> for sure, but mm-hmm. I don't want a lifetime. At Pippin's helm. <laughs> <laughs> Literally or metaphorically. <laughs> That's so cool. It's so cool you get to work with people doing those things. Um, do you work with people with eating disorders? Or do some dietitians do that? Some dietitians and do. And sometimes do you work in conjunction with doctors and... Because doctors don't get any training in, like, the nutritional value of food and the science of eating, really. No, no. Um, yes, is the answer. So when I was working in the NHS, my... I work primarily on intensive care, looking after people who can't eat anything at all. So really? mainly tube feeding people or feeding people into their veins. And that's all about science and biochemistry and what, you know, all that kind of sciencey stuff. What wow. your organ is going to do with stuff and all that sort of thing, which I love. So as a dietitian, you can work um, with people with eating disorders, for example. or And that's like, but because that's a psychological thing. Yes, you need to be working with therapists The primary person well. is the psychotherapist, yeah. So I have issues around binge eating and I'm working through those with my shrink. Mm, nice. Um, Everyone needs a but shrink. Also with a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. But I've had to ask the personal trainer to 
like stop being giving mind- you nutrition advice. Yeah. Well, also that's not that's not. I mean, that's some of theirs fortes or some of theirs areas of knowledge. I say fortes a bit strong. But they, they ought to have some, but basically, like, she, she, bless her, she was like, okay, cool, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just drink lots of water. I was like, thank you, thank you. But it's only because she'd, like, asked me for, like, the third time for a few days' food diary, and I was like, I'm afraid I know that for me that stuff makes me a bit obsessive, and then I start thinking about calories, and then I find that quite destructive to what I'm trying to do, which is just be much more connected to eating while I'm eating and an idea of fullness and nothing to do with restrictive mm. diets and that yeah. kind of thing. And um, I say all the time that the most important thing is understanding your, like your relationship with food. Mm-hmm. I think we talked before about this this analogy that I use around um, it's, it's not the cake that's the problem that you're eating. If you're yeah. eating the cake with friends and you're eating it because you're having a nice time, yeah. great. If you're eating cake on your own at night because you're miserable... Mm-hmm there's a problem it's not about the food it's not about any of the foods it's about yeah. the reasons why you're eating the reasons behind you're eating and your relationship with food is much more important than the other bits really yeah totally and I think there's an element of if you're smashing a whole cake on your own in the middle of the night you're not even really tasting it that's no. just a it's just it's a Numbing. an emotional depression. yeah just like booze absolutely or, yeah um, but then sometimes I think this I don't know maybe it's sometimes it's okay we all have our vices, don't we? Yeah. Everyone's got a vice and everyone has a thing that they go to for... It's just knowing that that's why you're going to it for it. Yeah. And then acknowledging that. that's not that, ideal. That it's what I like to call low-functioning behaviour. Mm. <laughs> I do some low-functioning behaviours. Well, you're inhuman. That's what I was going to ask. Do you think everybody's a little bit disordered in their eating? I think everybody it, has a complicated is it, is relationship with s- food. Right. Is that, to me, it feels like there's a spectrum. Oh, yeah. I'm perhaps quite extremely liberal on this, but I think there's a spectrum on all sorts of things, including sexuality and all sorts of yeah, things. Of course, yeah. Um, and I don't know. I've hardly met anyone who has a, a perfect relationship with food. Mm. And when they do, they've got a terrible one with something else mm. that does the same job mm-hmm. in terms yeah. of self-esteem, emotional suppressant, escalation, etc. Absolutely. So you have to remember that food lights up those happy places in your brain in the same way that drugs do, in the same way that alcohol does to a certain extent, mm. in the same way that sex does. Mm. Any of those things, the same way as gambling does, all of those addictive behaviours mm-hmm. can be mimicked with food. And that's not because food is addictive, it's because as humans, through evolution, it was very positive for us when we found food to be very excited and happy about it. We needed to be driven by food and we needed yeah. to want food and seek it out and be happy when we ate it. Otherwise, we wouldn't have survived. We'd just been sat on like well, the Serengeti or wherever we were, just lounging around and not bothered about hunting and gathering and just accidentally else. dying of starvation because <laughs> we forgot exactly. to have the impetus to go foraging. We would have been rubbish. So the fact that we seek out food and we enjoy it and we get pleasure from it is an evolutionary benefit. The problem is now we live in a society where food is so easily accessible everywhere we go, yeah, and everything's very calorie dense, energy dense, yeah, and not very healthy. Or lots of the foods that we really crave are not very healthy, and so that's the problem. Do you think eventually we'll evolve out of that desperate? If, I mean, if humans exist before an apocalypse for long enough, it feels like there would be a reason for us to evolve out of needing to be so driven by food. Yes, and there certainly is, but that's going to take a long time. Yeah. But the other thing to think about is that people who um, struggle a lot in our current sort of modern environment mm become very obese, develop diabetes earlier, yeah. develop cardiovascular disease, strokes and heart attacks and things earlier. Mm. So potentially there's some natural selection stuff that will happen there as well. So right. people who maybe have a really str- real struggle 
in terms of controlling their diet when they from a young young age. Yeah. Maybe. It's a little bit terrifying. It's very terrifying. Yeah. The obesity epidemic and all of those public health crises are terrifying. When we were on Women's Hour, we were talking about hunger, and mm. what I didn't get to say on that programme as a theory, and I don't know if you would agree with it, but I think that our lives are so busy that it, it's not just this abundance of food that most people have access to. And I feel like perhaps I need to be careful not to just assume there because there are people in, Very you know, on our doorsteps on, in food poverty and the little food they do have access to from food banks, etc., is not going to be ideal, it's yep. not going to be fresh, etc. It's going to be probably the le- most processed, least healthy, yep. whatever. So, but on the assumption now that compared to when we were on the Serengeti lounging around, we've Mm -hmm. got access to more stuff. I also think that we've built our lives up to be at such a pace where hunger and those things occur and also overeating and undereating or like forgetting to eat for a day so that by the time you get to eat, you're hugely starving and you overeat, whatever. I think all of that comes down to we've made ourselves too busy to be able to connect with our bodies oh. and concentrate when we're eating. Like there's a movement towards like mindful eating where you really slowly taste everything and you chew for ages and stuff. And I know personally, and also loads of people who've tried it go, it's impossible. Mm. I don't have time to take an hour and a half to eat my lunch. Mm. But when we look at populations who do, like the French, yeah. There is a very different relationship with food there and across the Mediterranean, mm. actually, which is why uh, rates of cardiovascular disease are much lower. Really? Despite things like the fact they eat a lot of cheese, drink a lot of wine. And as they got much lower diabetes and obesity? Yeah, much lower. Mm. Obesity is rising and so will everything else. But Is that because of their access to our shit food, though? Well, that's the theory, yeah. The um, influx of fast food, the right. uptake of the faster-paced lifestyle. But mm-hmm. yeah, in the UK, we are... And in America, arguably, we do have a terrible relationship with food. And part of that is because, uh, well, as a population, mm. and part of that is because we are so busy. So if yeah. you think about um, families and if you think about children, so you and I were raised in the countryside. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to have my mum at home for, you know, she worked some part of my childhood, but hardly at all. Right. Um, so she cooked food. When I got home, you know, we had lunch yeah, yeah. made for us. When we got home from school, there were snacks made for us. And then she would make dinner. Completely what did you have when you got home from school? I always had Marmite on toast. Did you? Yes. Well, I really wanted crisps or penguin biscuits, which obviously we had sometimes, but yeah. she would also make things like apple slices that we would dip in honey and all this mm. stuff. You know, I love apples dipped in peanut butter. <laughs> oh, yeah. All the good stuff. Yeah. So, like, that. That's if you right. imagine now, we're in a situation where most, for most families, partly because of the housing problem, mm. big societal issue... Um, both parents have to work to pay the mortgage. Yeah, and or the rent. So, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, if you're lucky enough to have a mortgage. Yeah. And so there's no one at home for kids when they get home from school. So there's hardly any, uh, you know, reliance on ready meals, reliance on the chicken shop, reliance on whatever it is yeah. to feed your family. Yeah, is the norm. Yeah, you know, and uh, that means that child, you know, rates of childhood obesity are massive. There's all those issues there. And it's not because women are going to work. It's not, you know... No, no. We have it's because we're all so busy. We're all so busy. Yeah, Everyone's yeah, yeah. busy. And we have stopped prioritising food and meals as being, you know, an important thing to do. Yeah. And for the people that are very busy but are able to carve time out and or have the help and or be able to afford the company that delivers you the fresh ingredients yeah. and all the fresh... It's money. Again, mm. it's a privilege. Mm-hmm. I don't know how into it to get because it's... 
it's such a sensitive issue at the moment, the stuff with obesity, but there's a movement, there's a very positive movement um, towards, I think, within feminism, towards body positivity mm-hmm. and an acceptance that there are all sorts of shapes and sizes, by which I mean quite, you know, I think right up to big sizes, 18, 20, right down to, you know, size sixes that are really healthy. Mm. Um, that don't correspond, though, to looking good on a BMI scale. Mm. I'm really down with that. I don't know whether you would be. I don't know. I think that you can be quite extremely big and small and still be really fit and healthy. What would you think? Yeah. I mean, genetically, obviously, women are of all different shapes and sizes, the yeah. same as men. Yeah. Um, what we know from the research is that the the leaner you can be without being underweight statistically. Right. Based on BMI. So it's not an ideal measure for everybody as an individual, but population studies tell us that the leaner you can be in terms of BMI, the lower your risk of things like cancer. Really? And heart disease and diabetes and everything else. So the leaner you can be without being underweight, the lower your risk of these things. So whilst it's absolutely possible to be a size 18 and be a lot fitter than your size 10 counterpart who is maybe fat on the inside but thin on the outside. Right, 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 yeah. Then there, you know, the, the overwhelming majority of evidence suggests that somebody of that size is much more likely to have heart attacks, much more likely to have strokes, much more likely to get cancer than someone who is slimmer. Right. Unfortunately. And yeah. whilst I totally got on board with the movement, because ultimately, if someone who's a size 18 loathes themselves, mm-hmm. the chances of them loving themselves into nourishing their bodies properly and doing exercise because they love themselves and mm-hmm. investing that time and energy, we've just talked about how much time and energy it takes to put into going to the gym yeah preparing proper food for yourself yeah rather than sitting on the sofa and going and grabbing a takeaway yeah. much quicker you have to love yourself and you have to yeah. care about yourself and you have to be invested in yourself mm-hmm. to take those steps to make changes to make things yeah. better for yourself and that's hard like if but you could be a size 18 and be doing all that new really good mm. stuff where you cook all your stuff and you exercise loads it's funny though isn't it but there's also there's also a movement now that it's that that positivity then that there's a difference between saying fatness is disgusting oh yeah which is horrific but was certainly the message I was brought up with mm. um and that I, my dad both my parents actually I'll be frank my mum loves talking about people who's put on weight in a, in a sneering way and they, but they don't know they're doing it and my dad is loathsome about fat people and fatness wow but I think there's a big, big positive in a kind of fat activism movement that stops people doing that, having that repulsion and shaming people mm. and also not being able to see the beauty in big bodies. Mm. And But then the movement in some circles gets tipped over into saying, and this is ideal and should be held up as... Sure. Uh, iconic and inspirational and then I just think have you not seen the film Wally where we're all just floating around in space like mm. that's like no 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 we can't have and if that is the way that we're going with more and more people I don't know I feel very torn on this thing because I think part of my part of me as a feminist wants to go yes all big brilliant yes everything and then, but part of me goes, oh, no, 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 don't want everybody to be unwell. Mm. And actually, if what we're doing here is the equivalent of fetishizing something which is very far from ideal, mm. much like 
an emaciated model yep. that's having a cracker and an apple a day. <laughs> yeah. um, 20 mile reliance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um, <laughs> I keep dropping bits. I always put things behind me on my chair and then they're yeah, just falling, falling off, just, well. just yeah. flittering around. Um, yeah, I mean, I basically just waffled on for ages there with no. rants and thoughts, but I feel a lot of conflict on that front. And I imagine it's my, is it just clear a cut for you about it's just better to be? No, not necessarily. And I think my ultimate thing is that if you are miserable about your body yeah you're not going to look after yourself properly because no. you hate yourself and it yeah. all comes from self-esteem it all comes from having the self-worth to think i want to be as healthy as i can be mm. and women's bodies come in all different shapes and sizes we yeah. were just saying before, like, oh, yeah mm. absolutely i will never be i've tried and i can't mm. be like model thin it doesn't yeah. suit me it doesn't make me feel well i don't want to anymore though i think as no. a teenager i and in my yeah. early 20s it was but, you know, then I realised that the bit of me that wanted that was ill. Exactly, exactly. My weight fluctuates quite right. a bit. But my, I look back at photos of myself when I was absolutely miserable, but I was thin. Right. And I now look at those photos and I think, no, I don't want to be that thin because no. I was miserable. There's a reason why I was that thin, and yeah. it's because I was miserable. Well, here's a question. Mm. So you haven't always haven't had an ideal relationship with eating? No, oh, and yeah. I think it's more... Well, actually, to be fair, my relationship with exercise is probably more significant with than my relationship with eating. Right. So there, is, there are times when I'm not exercising and I'm not eating at all mm. and I'm not looking after myself at all and really? I'm gaining weight mm-hmm. and that's not a healthy place for me to be. Mm-hmm. Equally, I can go to the other end of that spectrum where I'm not eating enough or I'm being mm-hmm. more controlling with my eating and I'm exercising too much Yeah, and I've just lost that balance. So I think probably where I am at the moment is a very healthy. Place. But have you? But, it, I, but I guess like I mean, you sound totally on it now. But like, were there times when you were younger where you were less kind of on the ball with that, or aware of how good you were being to yourself or not? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I can remember being a teenager and really worrying about my weight and thinking that I was yeah. fat. And of course, I look at you know as every woman does. You look back at those photos now and go, oh, "I was so thin." Yeah, <laughs> I don't ever I know, worry about it. <laughs> I was a huge when I was fifteen. Well, I then um, in my late early twenties put on a lot of weight. Right. I was, uh, you know, very overweight, mm. and you know, luckily something switched. And you know, I was working yeah. as a dietitian in hospitals. You know, yeah, yeah, still yeah. very effective. Was it was a, a, good job. a big pressure on you as a dietitian, as much as I would assume there would be on. Um, I spoke to for this podcast a former obstetric doctor yeah. who would have to quite regularly tell very overweight women that they had to lose weight to, to in order to, to conceive, become fertile yeah, sure, yeah. and or to have safe pregnancies. Mm-hmm. And there must be some pressure on people in professions where you're telling people how to eat for you to look like you, you've got your shit in order. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think um, at that time I was working in hospitals and I was mainly looking after people who needed to eat more. Mm-hmm. So they were undernourished, malnourished yeah. people, which helped. I yeah. think I would have struggled to work in a weight management clinic at that way. Yeah. It just doesn't seem very genuine. Although yeah. I know some dietitians who are overweight and work with people just trying to manage their weight mm-hmm. and there's something there about both understand the situation. They both totally. And I wonder whether there's something in that. That's one of the things I wanted to <laughs> ask actually. Like, are people in the, in nutrition and di- dietitians, are they like um, people that work in therapy and social work where lots of the people doing it are also people who either are or were earlier in their life some of those that are most in need of it? Yep. <laughs> What sort of foods is it that you really crave? What is it the food? Oh, no, I don't like eating crap. I like eating really healthy stuff. Okay. I just like enormous portions. And also, 
I don't know whether this is... Not, I mean, but basically, I think lots of people get to a point of fullness and feel disgusting or feel shame. I just feel great. <laughs> and I continue to feel great until I vomit. <laughs> I mean, I don't get quite to that point, but that feeling of like, oh, I yeah. love it. I I'll really tell you like a good story. It. It's a family um, thing last year. Mm. I can't remember what time of year it was. Easter? No, it can't be. Yeah, it must be Easter time actually. Mm. And um, my parents had invited some family friends over, people they hadn't seen for a long time. Mm. And I'd been in the newspaper that week, and I ate so much at dinner that yeah. I had to go and lie on the kitchen floor. <laughs> and it was at this point that my parents said. Oh, Sophie was in the Telegraph this week. Would you like to read the article? No. <laughs> As I'm like, yeah, I'm a great dietitian. Here I am, <laughs> resting my belly, cuddling <laughs> oh, my, f- my food, baby. Literally, I couldn't even sit up. I was so full. They, they, they were going, "This is fantastic, Sophie. You're doing such a great job." Say scrum diddly umptious. And then you can be in my podcast. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Part of what I've been doing with my therapist is like, it's, as I said a bit earlier, like it's not about restrictive mm. diets. So does that come into your advice for people sometimes? Mm. Like so, it's not, it's not about calorie counting and stuff like that. It's, I, I think that's amazing advice full stop. And I think that the culture of dieting and cyclical dieting yeah. is one of the most toxic things in our society, especially for women. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, there's this real issue with people feeling like they're either being clean and doing well and winning and doing they maybe I see lots of people who lose like two stone and then regain it and they feel a complete failure and they hate themselves and they're in a really bad place and then they've got this massively restrictive diet and they lose this two stone and then they Mm -hmm. feel great but then of course it's Christmas or Easter or a birthday and they they fail somehow have a big drink eat a pizza and they feel like I've messed all up now it's done and then they just put back on two stone because they give up in London especially, that's really prevalent. I didn't so much yeah. see that in my practice in um, Devon. But um, 
that's about pressure. That's about you know people thinking they have to be 100% perfect all the time. And that's just not human. And also, it's just about the the impermanency of it. Like, it, diets make you obsessed with food. Yeah. And they make... And that idea, like, there's, there's one kind of group weight loss company and I think they've stopped doing it now but they used to categorise their food as sins yep. and the, the the calorific value or nutritional value of certain foods was counted in the amount of sins that you're and allowed to and if you remember nuts were sins because they're high calorie avocado was a sin oh okay so this is another thing I really want to get into fat like fads and things changing over time yeah so right now we think we know the nutritional content of things and what it's good to have in what quantities with other foods at what time but that is totally different to the messages we were being given i don't know certainly when i was a kid i'm yeah. 34 when i was a kid it was fat is bad yeah and now it's sugar is bad yeah do you have to take everything with a pinch of salt then no, Should people so take everything with a pinch of salt? Really or are we learning more and we're right now and we were wrong then? We are learning more. We are still not sure. Is it influenced by food lobbies and people who've got money in the food industry? <laughs> not no. at all. Really? People say to me all the time, oh, you're all sponsored by the meat and dairy industry. Oh, really? I bloody wish they'd give me some money. <laughs> not once have they offered me any money. Yeah. So not at all is the answer to your question about whether we're influenced by these things. You know, I work in probably arguably and i'll argue with some of my colleagues about this later mm-hmm. the best re- nutrition research department probably in the whole of europe is what we're doing upstairs here amazing right? at kings at kings and our work would not get published do you all agree in your academic circles then no not no no no, yeah, yeah. no so yeah. interpretation of of science interpretation right. of data is complicated and difficult and not everyone agrees so the reason that we thought fat was bad and carbohydrates were good was because of the work that was done by a guy called Keyes in the 70s. He was looking at the Mediterranean diet and seeing that people uh, ate a lot of carbohydrates, lots of pasta, lots of rice, and not very much saturated fat, not much um, processed meats. And so uh, there's really complicated research went into it. But essentially, yeah. when you're looking at population studies, it's very difficult to control for things like the fact that... Um, at that time, all these people were doing manual jobs. 70s, rural Italy. Now we live in cities and sit on our bums all day. Having their main meal in the middle of the day and yeah. taking three hours over it, then having a nap. Yeah, and, and you know, going out to work on the fields, active yeah. job all day. Yeah. Coming home, having a long home-cooked meal yeah. by the lovely wife who stayed at home all day. And then back out on the fields. She might have been a prick. Work. There's no need to call she her lovely. Have been, yeah. <laughs> she might have been pretty miserable. So, you know, it's very difficult. That, that That's no longer really relevant to the way that we live our lives now and that's only a change in over 30 years so ultimately do you need a massive bowl of cereal to fuel what you do first thing in the morning if you're getting out of your bed having a shower getting on the tube or getting on the train or getting in your car and driving to your office and sitting on your bum all morning do you need a big bowl of carbohydrate to fuel that activity probably not no you probably need but you should have something how is it true that breakfast is so important no, so that evidence, again, is, is really? really questionable now. So if you are someone who feels very hungry in the morning, have some breakfast. Great. Well, listen to yourself. It comes back hungry. down to that. Listen to yourself. Yeah. What about to get your metabolism going, though? No, there's no evidence for really? it. We've really? Said this. We say these things. Oh, it kickstarts your metabolism. No evidence. PT what about, so at the moment, one of the things that the government are doing to try and tackle childhood obesity is saying, that, and this seems to jar with me from my most current experience in the stuff I'm doing with my shrink is that they're saying we 
we need to move away from a grazing culture and that if kids are going to have snacks, they need to be under 100 calories. Now, on the one hand, I get it. Kids shouldn't be having a chocolate bar, three chocolate bars. To, a, yeah, 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 every day or and or, you know, all this crap between us. But I was under the impression that a grazing culture is actually very healthy to have small amounts of good for you food every two or three hours, certainly for me, so that by the time I get to a meal, especially if there has been some activity and some exercise in, you should definitely smash some protein, protein and carbs yeah. straight after some exercise. But then as well also, even if there hasn't been any exercise, there's a handful of nuts or a couple of apples or something, so that by the time I get to a meal, I'm not so so hungry that I eat way too much. Hmm. I'm having one of these sticks of orange melon. Burned. Mm. Um, it depends on what you're doing this is one of the things right. we're trying to give nutrition advice to the general population this is one of the reasons why you don't see a lot of dietitians speaking in the media because mm-hmm. giving general dietetic advice is quite hard because yeah, everyone's everyone's so life is so different mm. so if you're exercising and you're training and you're trying to build muscle or you're mm-hmm. trying to negate for that in your life or you really struggle with um quantities of food mm-hmm. at meal times and feeling very hungry that's me then yeah you need to eat regularly so that you can control your appetite in that way yeah if you're sitting on your bum all day mm-hmm. and you're not doing anything and you don't enjoy exercise and you're talking about somebody who is periodically throughout the day snacking on biscuits yeah. cakes whatever it is then no that's not the right way of eating mm-hmm. but it depends on on you as an individual what you're doing how you're eating what you're training you're doing what training you're not doing all these things and there is no evidence that eating regularly improves your metabolism. Mm. We, you know, it's particularly personal trainers about this stuff about having to eat six small meals a day. Yeah. I don't have the time to prepare and eat six small meals a yeah, day. Yeah, not home cooked. Would they no. have to be like? And what do you mean by meals then? Oh. I think some of them are a borderline snack, mate. And they're just like processed food as well. You know, things like protein shakes, yeah. just processed food. Yeah. All of those bars that you can buy that high mm. protein or. Even the things that now are made Trek fun. bars. Mm. Oh, All the stuff. stuff made out of dates and stuff like Nicked bars. Just sugar. Sugar and carbs. It's just not mm. refined sugar. Mm. But it's still sugar. Your body sees it in the same yeah. way. It's marketed cleverly, but it's mm. processed food. Yeah. Is that what you want in your body? So it's much better to have a handful of nuts as a protein after a train. Eat your nuts. Mm-hmm. Eat yogurt. Yeah. So your yogurt's fine. Eat nice mm-hmm. fruit. But don't be buying products that are in a wrapper. If you're trying to yeah. be, if you are in a position to make that decision, mm-hmm. anything in a wrap-up is processed food. Yeah. Amazing, you know. Uh-huh. Mm, yum in my tongue. If you're a person of normal health who has a balanced diet mm-hmm. of home-cooked food, should you need any supplements? Mm-mm. None. Not necessarily. If you're eating... Trouble is... Do we really know what a balanced diet is? We, as the NHS, as dietitians, we band around this term. Right, right. You need to have a balanced diet. Yeah, I yeah, say yeah. I'm guilty of it. People know what that means? No. Like, no. do you feel confident? We've just done some really interesting work, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> I cockily probably would say, yeah, I feel like I have a balanced diet. Yeah. But I feel, like, I feel like I think about... What I mean by that is I feel like I think about the nutritional content of yeah. each meal. And I try and think the day before at least what I'm going to eat the following day yeah and I think you, you have a good understanding about macronutrients so protein, carbohydrate, fat where that's yeah. coming from in your diet and that sort of thing which is helpful but the majority of people don't know what I mean when I say a balanced diet and so right. 
it's difficult. The answer to your question is that most people probably don't need supplementation. Most people, if they're if they're an omnivore, so they mm. eat meat and fish and dairy, no. If you're cutting out any major food groups, then yes, you need to think about supplementation. The best way to supplement yourself is with an A to Z multivitamin. You can spend hundred pounds, hundreds of pounds a month on supplements. The ones from Poundland have pretty much the same nutritional profile. Yeah. It's fascinating that there's not much evidence that it's bad to skip breakfast. What about eating really late at night? Uh, there are benefits to having a extended period of time where you don't have any nutrition. It, well, yeah. especially if you're trying to fast and lose bit. weight. Yeah, right. So fasting weight, getting your glycogen stores, which is like little batteries in your body where your glucose is stored. Glycogen stores, I like the sound of it. Stored Very in science your fiction and in is your it? muscles. And you, overnight, you in, in a sort of eight-hour sleep. If yeah. you're lucky enough to get an hour sleep, yeah, which right. I like to. Um, Big braggart. Um, babies. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Um, <laughs> good, good choice. Well done, great choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you, uh, you burn a lot more energy over yeah. eight hours sleep than you do doing two hours of cardio, for example. Right. Because your body needs energy all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So... During that overnight fast, you can then use up your glycogen stores so that the next day you can refill them yeah. or just use the energy that's in your blood from breakfast or whatever else. Okay. There are some benefits to having an extended overnight fast, but ultimately if you're a healthy weight, carry on. You're doing the right thing. Fascinating. Are superfoods real? No. <laughs> <laughs> next <Yes>! question. <laughs> oh, I love it. No, I so I'll tell you something cool though. We're doing some amazing research here with something called polyphenols, a bit like antioxidants, but they have lots of really important mechanisms in our body. And they exist in berries, predominantly in very high concentrations of berries. Say again, polyphenols. Polyphenols. Fee with a fur. Mm. And they, there's lots in coffee, and there's lots in red wine, and there's lots mm. in like, proper beer. Um, and in lots of things that we enjoy, and lots of things that you'll notice are in things like the Mediterranean diet, where right. people's heart attack risk is lower. And they, we try to keep all, all our scientists here, we're trying to kind of separate these little polyphenols, these little chemicals, out of the plants and make them behave like they do in the plants, but right. in a concentrated format, so they're in like as a, as a separate thing. But they won't behave like that. So they only really behave themselves and do what we want them to do when they're in their food form. And they're really pesky and I love them because they do this magic work in our bodies but only when they're, they've got all their mates around them with their antioxidants and their bit of fructose from the, from the fruit and all these other bits around them and I love that. Fascinating. Magic, isn't it? Food is Not magic. Like dance for you. Mm. Don't throw is... coins at the feet of a polyphenol. <laughs> exactly. So I love all of those things as well. Though I love berries and I love red wine and I love coffee. Mm-hmm. But also I really love chilli and hot things. Mm-hmm. Is that I've read something which I'd like to know if it's bollocks or not, that the same thing that sets off like happy receptors <laughs> not the science term <laughs> in chocolate, that there's like ten times that in chili. I don't know is the answer. Okay. Um, but certainly there is some evidence that it helps speed up your metabolism. Really? So marginally that it's not like fine. Yeah. <laughs> eating a curry that's spicy will make you lose weight. But yeah, there is some good evidence around them. They're interesting. Yeah. Interesting little things. Do all sorts of things in your body. Why, when I'm hungover, do I want spicy food? Masochism. Because... <laughs> Maybe. Maybe also because 
when you're hungover, your taste buds are dampened down. You don't taste uh, things as effectively. So you want something that's really strong flavoured. Yes. You want like salty things or like yes. yeah, spicy things. I do. I want to drink the sea. Mm, yeah. um, <laughs> what's your go-to morning after night before if you drink food? I do drink. Um, heavily. I'm drinking. <laughs> what do I like um, so I used to live do you know Sulcombe in Devon yes so gorgeous so I used to live there uh, in a past life oh. and there's this place on the seafront that does a sausage and hash brown sandwich Ooh. and let me tell you that is the cure to any hangover do you know what that's made me think of in Edinburgh um, and I'm sure across Scotland in their like pie shops that are like their Greggs's independent yeah. well there's Greggs there too but in oh, their independent version yeah. they do a thing called a tatty dog okay. which is not dissimilar it's a hot dog surrounded by a cone of hash brown oh wow disgusting <laughs> in do a you magical know? way that I, when I went to Edinburgh, I was very excited to find out that you can have a deep fat fried macaroni cheese pie. Yes. <laughs> oh, God, it's mucky. Which is just as fun to say that as it is to eat. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I love it you didn't try it. That's where you draw the line. Yeah. I cannot call myself a dietitian. I need a deep... Oh, my on, God. Deep fried... Deep fat fried macaroni cheese pie. Deep fat fried macaroni cheese pie. Mm. What I like about it is it's battered. So I had batter, pastry, cheese, oh, carbohydrates. Because <laughs> they batter some fish and chip shops in it pizza. in Scotland. Yeah, they batter pizza, they batter whole cheeseburgers. I just don't know how I feel about that, Jeff. I mean, what I have, this is where I have conflict, is because intellectually I'm repulsed. Absolutely. But my mouth is watering. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm full. Were you a fussy kid? Mm, super fussy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was vegetarian um, for a long time. I don't think that counts as a type of fussiness, but you were vegetarian because you were fussy. I was a vegetarian and largely only ate cheese and carrot. Really? Mm. Terrible oh, vegetarian. I know. But I was a vegetarian because I was obsessed with animal uh-huh. uh, rights and oh. things as a kid. My mum was like, I was ruining family meals by asking oh. when the chicken died naturally. Oh. <laughs> When we met before, you were telling me that you get asked to talk on radio and TV a lot about the dangers of a totally vegan diet. Mm. So I want to talk about that, but also you told me about the horrible, horrible backlash from that mm. on social media from the vegan community. Mm. So I would like, if you don't mind, share, share a bit of that with us too, because it seems absurd to me. So I was invited on BBC Two and I spoke about the potential risks of following a vegan diet yeah. and why it's not right for, for lots of people to follow a vegan diet. Yeah. So, disclaimer, totally support anyone that wants to follow a vegan diet. Yeah. Completely behind you. I will support you. I will help you with planning your diet so that it's healthy and balanced. However, yeah. it's very difficult to have a balanced and healthy vegan diet. As you know, it takes a lot more planning and preparation and thought yeah. and everything else. And that's because the nutrients in plants are more difficult to find. It's more difficult to um, meet your nutrition requirements, particularly for micronutrients like vitamin B12, just isn't available mm-hmm. to you to make sure that you supplement it. Nooch. Is that right? There's this stuff called Engevita, I think the company is, but they're the same one that make that really nice um, stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bouillon yeah. stock, yeah. but they make a, it's called Nutritional Yeast, and it yeah. gets the nickname in the in the planted community of Nooch, yeah. and it looks like fish food, yeah. but it tastes a umami, it tastes yeah. cheesy, so it's yeah, lovely yeah. sprinkled on beans on toast yeah. or something like that. And you need lots of that, and yeah. that's great, and that's fine, or you can take obviously a the vitamin supplement. supplement. Yeah. Um, 
and there's things that you can't get because you're not having any fish. So, so, algae so supplements and things. Yes, oh. my mother-in-law keeps me in stock with Gosh. algae supplements. I to hear it. So, but would it be ideal to just have fish every now and again? What I'm interested to know is the backlash that you got after you were on BBC so, Two. I was on BBC Two. I was saying some of these things, which mm. I think were fairly balanced. Well, they're certainly uh, informed. I, when I listened back to it, I thought because you know when you, well, I don't know about yourself, but sometimes when you do things, you think, "Did I really? Was it that bad? Was it not that bad?" And I listened yeah. back to it and I will stand by what I said. But the backlash I got was horrific, really, uh, really aggressive. People were contacting work. People were saying that I should be struck off. <sighs> People were saying that I'm you know, completely out of date, that what I'm teaching is nonsense, that I'm sponsored by the meat and dairy industry. <gasps> this one woman um, sent me and three or four of my colleagues, not here, different colleagues who had sort of uh, backed me up mm. on Twitter and on Facebook or whatever else, sent them emails also saying similar things, but she was saying that I was a Nazi-eyed troll <gasps> and that even her husband said he would be repulsed to have sex with me. Oh my God! God. So offensive. <laughs> and, you know, she's saying, I've sent this to your, to your manager, I've done this, I've done that. And then, you know, interestingly, one of the, the, the symptoms of vitamin B12 deficiency is paranoid delusion. <laughs> and we'll leave that there. <laughs> I think it's so weird that the vegan community has to behave like a cult and can't see that that's an unhelpful thing. Mm, I mean, but do you know Grace Dent? Mm, I know she's an amazing food writer. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's quite, she's kind of vegan-ish, as am I. Mm. And she wrote a brilliant, I'll put a link to it in the podcast, but a brilliant, brilliant article in The Guardian recently about vegan-ishness and how she'd kept it under the radar because if you are vegan-ish for environmental reasons mm. and for well, her for her a bit more yeah, yeah same yeah. those two things but also in her I think there's genuinely like a taste preference whereas sure, I sure. I really love meat and fish and dairy. <laughs> but also I don't miss them because I'm allowed them whenever I want of course yeah. she was saying if you do that then it makes carnivores hate you because it's fun to hate planty people but no one hates the vegan-ish more than a vegan <laughs> a strict vegan well because it's like you're saying you know to them all consumption of those things is like a religion yeah abhorrent agreed yeah to me that's as bonkers as someone force feeding someone a dead animal absolutely it's just bonkers it's not the equivalent of a moral horror no it's a challenging area to work in it's mm-hmm. not something that I said to myself I'm going to go and no, to tell people who are being vegan that they need to stop it. That's never was never no, my intention no. ever. My intention has always been brilliant if that's what you're doing and that you believe in it and you're behind it. All power to you. However, if there are some nutrients that you're likely to be missing, let's not have a massive wave of teenage girls who've got osteoporosis at forty. Thanks very much. Do you know what yeah. I mean? That's you know, let's not. So you think there's? I mean, because we spoke about this before. Mm. There's some danger in this in the rise of veganism now. Mm. In the people taking it on don't have the nutritional wisdom to supplement in the ways that they're going to need to. Yeah. So we we've literally just done some research, which uh, isn't published yet, but I'll give you a um, headline, which is quite yeah. interesting. So we did a survey of uh, the university population, which is known to be kind of part of this new wave of veganism. Yeah. Lots of uh, particularly women going vegan in the university population and vegetarians mm. in that in the population that we studied we had omnivores vegetarians and vegans the vegetarians tended to know that they were at risk of b12 deficiency for example tended to know that they're at risk of calcium deficiency tended to be a bit more moderate in terms of saying well, i'm not really sure if my diet's balanced or not 
and then nutritional knowledge was really good. General nutritional knowledge was very good. So we measured knowledge, attitude and practices. Their influences to mm-hmm. the things that made them choose to be a vegetarian were generally family and friends or, you know, other, other things like that. The vegan population that we looked at in this study, small population, statistically much, much more of them said, I'm not at risk of any deficiencies at all. They also said, yes, my diet's definitely balanced. They also said that the majority of their influences were social media, blogs, and things like Cowspiracy or whatever else. And so, to me, that's where the responsibility lies. If you're promoting a vegan diet, just put that you need to consider supplementation. Just put that this diet is lower than a non-liverous diet in things like calcium. It's more difficult to access calcium, iron, vitamin B12, and these fish oils on this diet. And therefore... You want to think about supplementation. Yeah. Just have take some either with the foods or with supplements. Absolutely, whatever you know. But just what planty things are high in calcium? Planty things. Trouble with calcium in plants is that it's bound to things like oxalate. So spinach is really high in calcium, but okay. this calcium is bound like raw grains. to oxalate, right. so you can't absorb it very well. Right. So, um, and the other thing is when you fortify things like plant-based milks with calcium. Mm. Our bodies don't necessarily use that in the same sort of way. Right. So the flip side of that is the more plants you have, uh, the easier it is for your bones to stay mineralized. But you right. need to mineralize them very effectively as a child. So as long as you've had milk all the way through your childhood, yes. chances are switching to a vegan diet is actually going to continue to support your bones in the same way as it would Splendid. If you carried on eating So dairy. my mother-in-law is absolutely right to have made sure that I kept giving my two-year-old cow's milk. Absolutely. Yeah. Really? Yeah, 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 definitely. Here's your scenario, Sophie. Mm-hmm. A hundred donkeys are trapped in an underground bunker, which may or may not be Kim Jong-un's version of his own private reindeers. Oh, my God. Um, to carry him um, to and from his secret meetings. These donkeys are under threat. He's finished with them because he's realised there are cars now. He's a notoriously lovely and reasonable guy, so he's going to have them all slowly flicked to death. Mm-hmm. Only you can save them. And weirdly, you have to do it by climbing Everest really fast. You do it! Hooray! You're a hero! But you're ever so tired out and peckish. Oh, yeah, we'll be very tired. You're allowed a shower or whatever to make yourself feel comfortable and realise how hungry you are, and then it's time for your reward, the feast of your dreams! Mm-hmm. Nothing in your answer needs to exist as a practical or even non-fictional it's just your idea of the ultimate perfection doesn't it to be a big small can be I want to know what you would like to eat drink where and who with oh great question so I'm a massive fan of like slow cooked meats Mm. particularly lamb okay so I would probably go for that sort of thing with Mm. lots of nice salads and lots of really nice like exciting little side dishes that's my thing are you into lamb that's been cooked with a supplementary fruit I am. Yeah. I like an apricot, mm. uh, but I really like lamb with cinnamon, like Moroccan type flavours is my real, yeah. Slow to Delish. lamb. Particularly like my own slow cooked lamb is my preference. <laughs> Fabulous, you'd cook for yourself. I might. Oh, I think it's the first yeah. time that's come up. Do you know what? My One of my best things to do is cook for family and friends. Really? I love it. It's my, it's my, like, yeah, I love looking after people in that way. It's something I really enjoy doing. 
I live on my own and it's very sad for me. <laughs> I'll come round, mate. Like just the orange yeah. <laughs> come around. I'll come around for some carrots and melon. Um, I cook you something. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So, um, yeah, that's kind of things I would lovely. have. Um, good? Or don't care for Oh, goods. yeah. Um, what would I have? Probably, like, mm, I really like lemon desserts. Mm. I'm really into, like, fruity desserts. I'm not really a chocolate person. Okay. Or, uh, like... Or a sticky toffee pudding, pa- pud- pudding person, really? <laughs> sticky like, toffee pudding, sticky toffee pudding, sticky toffee, sticky toffee pudding. <laughs> but I love like a mm. lemony dessert or like a pavlova, that kind of thing. It's really mm. my thing. Like a tarte citron. Oh yeah, more like maybe a panna cotta type affair. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm into. That's like a set wobbly yogurt. Yeah, it's like, like a milky jelly. Yeah. I'm doing a gesture. You can have it with raspberries. Yeah. And I'm putting a lemon on it just for you. And can I have a shortbread biscuit, please? Yes, you can. Uh-huh. You can have what you like. Oh my god. What are you having to drink? Wine. You're not having a starter. Oh, um, I'd like some fish for my starter, please. Would you? Mm. White bait or like a slab of something chunkier? Do you know what I love is um fish pâtés. Mm. So Ooh, like a crab fish pâté. Crab oh, pâté. Smoked salmon pâté. Really like smoked salmon, mm. all those kinds of things. Some sort of fish platter. What you'll understand from the things I'm talking about is that I like to eat a lot of different things all yes. at the same time. Yes, no, me too. Yeah. But actually, I think that's quite traditional, actually, a fish starter. True. A lamb. True. Traditional and, a, and then a lemony raspberry panna cotta. What, um, with, what colour wine, yellow or red? Well, white preferably. Yeah. Yellow tends to give you a bit of a hangover. Your favourite... Um, Got a favourite white wine? I really like pickpool. Oh, so had some pickpool last night. Oh, I did. Oh, I'm jealous. Don't. My Great name as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Pickpool. Pickpool the pinny. My Don't friends having pickpool at her wedding. Is she now? Yes. Can I come or? I'll ask her. <laughs> Sam, if you're listening, <laughs> can I, my new friend Tatish and Sophie Medling come to your wedding? Um, Just for the pickpool. And who are you with? Oh, tricky question. <laughs> Not the vegan lobby. <laughs> Vegans are welcome. They okay. can have the salads. But and the veganish. Now, how do you decide between like somebody that you're secretly in love with, <laughs> like a person that you've never met, or like your best friends and your family? I mean, this is the dream scenario. So, unsecret the all? secret. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course you can have them all. Okay, great. So, your best friends. Yeah. So I have and, a really, really close friends who yeah. I'm very lucky to have in London and oh. all over the place. So I'd love to have all of them there and my wonderful family um, and Anthony Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got some disgustingly ignorant opinions on gender, but Does you can have him there. Yes. I need to read something about his... He's talking about all the stuff he likes doing with his nephew and it's just all the fun stuff. Um, and then he said, but not his niece. Like, these are little kids. And he said something like, she... We, of course, I wouldn't do all that stuff with her. She needs to become someone's good wife one day. Oh! And yeah. now I don't want to be his good wife. Yes. No, thank you. So you can have him there. No, but I've Can you mind. educate him and slap him about a bit no. first? Box him. <laughs> Box him <laughs> cleverer. I don't think that's possible. You've gone if right anything, off he's going to get less cleverer as time goes along. Right. To know from me, I'll have to find a new crush. <laughs> oh, oh just, that's the first time I've talked someone out of their dream <laughs> guest. I'm not sure I've done the right thing. Oh, you have. <laughs> How great was Sophie? She's on Twitter at Sophie Dietitian and on Insta it's at Sophie underscore Dietitian. 
She's all over the telly and radio, and I think she's a real wonder. I've got the impression that some of her answers are right, right now, but they're in a constant state of flux, so I am going to make an effort to eventually talk to other food and eating experts too, and see how even more of them surf the shifting sands. Anyway, follow her on the socials, please. I've been very busy with bits of writing and filming, and that's exciting. I've only got one thing to tout to you, really, and it's not even me. Two brilliant stand-ups who I'm directing, Sarah Barron and Laura Lex, uh, with new shows, are previewing in Camden in North London on 25th of June. It's the Camden Head in Camden. It's very cheap. Uh, And you'd be welcome at that. I'm not doing much, but they're great. Otherwise, please keep showing love to this show. It's on all the socials at The Hoovering Pod. I'm on Patreon if you ever even faintly flush. And also my own Twitter is at Jessica Foster Q. Any questions or longer chats you want to have, or indeed if you're based in South or West London and you want a code for some half-priced wonky veg from oddbox.co.uk, any of those things, email me through my website, jessicafosterq.com. Until next week, happy hoovering. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.